This is episode 47 with Tammy Green. Hello, and welcome to the Love Yourself to Happiness show. We are your hosts, Maya and Michaela, and we are lifestyle strategists for moms. We absolutely love helping moms just like you to uplevel your lifestyle, mindset, career, and relationships, and helping you to fill your cup up so that you can be the best version of yourself and achieve anything that you want. Think of this podcast as your personal development tool where each week you'll get an infusion of tips, resources, and methods from our favorite leading experts that will inspire you to harmonize motherhood and become an empowered woman. All this information is free, so please subscribe to and review our podcast. We also want to invite you to join our free private Facebook group called Energized Mama Tribe. We are also offering a free masterclass, five steps to get 10 or more hours of purposeful time to harmonize motherhood and your personal identity. Lastly, we're offering free breakthrough calls with us to help implement the tools we teach you in the class. You can find all this information by visiting mayaandmichaela.com. So grab a cup of tea or coffee, sit back and welcome to Love Yourself to Happiness show. Tammy Green is a licensed mental health counselor who specializes in trauma and addictions work, supporting clients in all stages of recovery and self-empowerment. She has a successful private practice where she has been providing individual, marital, and family therapy to residents in the Boston area since 2007. She also provides coaching online to women who feel the heavy burden of shame and guilt due to holding on to soul-crushing secrets and hiding events in their past. She applies her expertise in trauma and recovery by offering healing circles and intensive group coaching programs. Program where women learn the skills necessary to break the habit of shame and step into their power fully to move on in their personal and professional lives. For further information on the Healing Circles, please visit www.tammygreencoaching.com. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. And today with us, we have Tammy Green. Welcome. Thank you so much. So excited to be here. Yeah, so glad to have you here. Tammy, can you share with us a little bit more about yourself, something that wasn't mentioned in your bio and becoming who you are at this moment? Sure, definitely. Well, a little uh, personal uh, information is uh, I'll share one of my passions, which is world traveling. Um, and uh, my, my coaching business is all about empowering women and something that I've learned through my experiences. I've traveled as a solo female traveler across over 40 countries. And one of the things that I learn as I talk to women is fear just gets in the way of people discovering our world so much and exploring new avenues. And for me, when I travel as a solo uh, female out there in other countries where I don't speak the language and I have never been before and I don't have any resources, it's such an empowering sensation to know that I can conquer something like that and be out there for so long. And I love passing that along to the women that I work with through my coaching practice because I don't like seeing fear stopping us from achieving our dreams. And everybody has different dreams. You know, my dream was really about exploring the world. Um, But whatever someone's dream is, when we allow fear to stop us, it just is such a disempowering thing for women. So part of the reason that I really enjoy empowering women in my coaching practice is watching them overcome things that 
they were afraid of, things that were barriers for them, and watching women just be able to step into their power fully and authentically in this world instead of always retreating from things that might seem scary and out of their comfort zone. Oh, I love that. Um, I was a huge traveler in most of my 20s as well, and uh, I found it super empowering. And everyone's yeah. like, how can you travel by yourself? Right, and, right. You know, but a big part of it is I grew up in a different country for 12 years, and I was able to come to America, learn the language that so was always adaptable, you know. And I find that most people are afraid. It's such a big part of like, you know, like why they just go to Florida or they just go to islands that speak English, you know, right. they don't feel comfortable. And, you know, um, it's like almost it, it's foreign to them. But what I found was um, traveling and even if I didn't know the language, things were always taken care of, you know, so you almost like begin to trust you know, the flow of life. And, you know, I was always fed. I always somehow communicated. I always had somewhere to sleep, you know, and people think like, if they jump, like there'll be nothing out there. Right. Right? Exactly, exactly. You know? So it's, right. it's super cool. You got to do that. Yeah. Really and that's amazing. Yeah, I, I just am a travel addict, for sure. I get itchy feet syndrome and have to leave the country <laughs> on a regular basis. But what I wanted to add on to what you were expressing is, that um, it's not about, and one of the things that I try and teach the women I work with, it's not about trusting that, you know, the solutions will be made in front of them and that they'll be able to, uh, that other people will be able to provide resources for them. It's about trusting within ourselves that we can handle any situation that we come across, you know, and that's yeah. the barrier for a lot of the women that I work with is that we have to be in touch with our instinct. We have to be in touch with that inner voice in us that says, you know what, no matter what happens, I trust in my skills and my ability to take care of myself. And that's the most important thing that women can develop within themselves. Right. And also being able to ask for what you want. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And stepping into that, like the area of discomfort, stepping outside of your comfort zone, that is the only way to figure out that you can handle it. Right. If Absolutely. you just stay within your, you know, little bubble and don't have exposure, it's just, preventing you from from growing yeah and the best part is once you do that you're like holy shit what else can i do you exactly know? Like, exactly and you start adding things to your list yeah you know? and it, it almost becomes like an adventure very much so once you conquer your first fear then you start pushing that boundary a little bit and start recognizing that all those fears that you were dealing with really were unfounded and that the world is not such a scary place like our news tends to make us believe. And not everybody out there is an evil person looking out, you know, trying to get you or pull one over on you. And you start seeing the genuineness in the human nature and the, the beauty of just being a lost soul wandering and, and learning and discovering another culture. So yeah. it's, it's a very vulnerable place to be. But man, do you grow? You know, it, it forces growth very quickly and just is such an empowering experience. So ladies, think of your biggest fear, find a way to conquer it, and then move to the next ones. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. So let's dive a little bit deeper into the work that you do empowering sure. women. And I know you work a lot around shame and addiction. Can you just tell us a little bit more about what you do in that area? Yeah, so uh, I'll start by just explaining that I'm a licensed therapist. And so I've had a private practice here in the Boston area for probably 10 years or so. 
And I specialize in addictions, which covers everything from substance abuse to eating disorders. And I also specialize in trauma. So those are my two niches that I've been serving mostly through my mental health business. And then uh, last year, I decided to take my business online, and I've now been providing coaching for women, uh, specifically who are dealing with a wide variety of issues. But the number one thing that I've discovered is a passion of mine is to work with women who have what I call deep, dark secrets. And these are things that I think, you know, every person on the planet has a secret or a skeleton in the closet. But I think women in particular, because of the judgments and presumptions that people have about us in the motherly role, in the daughterly role, in our families, uh, there are so many stereotypes that women have to live up to. And our secrets that we have tend to really destroy us emotionally and uh, create or feed into our shame story. And if that shame story was uh, invented when we were a child and then something happens to you later in life as an adult where you have a secret um, that you just feel like you cannot share with anybody, that shame story just gets rebirthed and it grows to an, an, an immeasurable size and uh, it destroys you. It just eats you away and it causes us to play small in life. It's completely disempowering. And uh, it's really hard to move forward when you feel like you can't find any relief for this burden that you're carrying. So the niche that I chose for my coaching industry is that I, I really love working with women who have these type of soul-crushing secrets, helping them find relief um, not just for that, but for the shame story that they've been carrying around with them for so long so that they can step forward into their lives from a more empowered place. Wow. So Tammy, can you tell us how we can, I love the term soul crushing. Um, how can we turn our deep, dark secrets into something powerful? You know, so do, is, is it something like a practice where we talk to one person and we kind of unload? Is it maybe journaling? What kind of practices um, cause like you said, everyone listening, um, has something that they are holding deep down inside and us as women. And, you know, in this social media world, we're almost have this like outer shell that everything is perfect and we don't expose, you know, I mean, some women do, and it's just so enlightening to hear stories when they do share about, you know, maybe their past traumas or things like that. And as you know, um, so how can we turn that around? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, actually, one of the things that I explain to the women who reach out to me is I don't need to know their secret in order to help them. So there are ways of sharing a secret in very private ways, uh, anonymously and other things like that, where you can find relief from holding your secret without actually exposing your secret. So that's the first thing that I teach women is that what we're working at finding relief from is the shame that has intertwined itself in the secret. And most often it's not the secret itself. That's the problem. It's our belief about the secret. So for instance, um, women who have had an abortion that they feel really shamed about or who have put a child up for adoption that they feel really shamed about. Um, it's not the fact that they put the child up for adoption. It's not the fact that they had this abortion. It's their belief about themselves for doing this action, for doing this behavior. So that's what we work with. That's the piece that the shame is really intertwined with that we can, um, through a series of 
of things that I do with the clients, they can get relief from that shame and really move forward in their lives without carrying that burden anymore mm -hmm. and recognizing that the decision that they made was right for them in the moment and the time with the skills that they had to deal with it at that time. And therefore, there's no shame that needs to be carried around with them for it. Mm. Wow. I love that. So would you say that having... Um, you know, trauma in your childhood, it's a greater likelihood that you will have maybe substance abuse or, um, you know, eating disorders, things like that. Maybe, maybe you never learn how to process those things, like you said, and you're just carrying them and having shame about them, right? Yeah. So there's uh, a term that we use in the field of mental health called shame resiliency. And basically what this means is, and, and trauma resiliency. So it means that, you know, you and I can both go through the exact same trauma, let's just say a car accident. And my reaction to that car accident can be, you know, I walk away, I brush it off and I move on with my life. You were in that exact same car with me, but for you, you feel traumatized by it. It's triggering all kinds of things. You end up developing PTSD as a result of that car accident. So how come you were able, how come I was able to walk away and not feel a larger impact, but for some reason you really got trapped in that trauma or that event itself. So when we look at people that have a substance abuse history or an eating disorder, oftentimes what we do find is that there is some sort of trauma in their lives that they have not dealt with properly, that they haven't been able to process properly. Um, but to say that everybody who has experienced a trauma will develop substance abuse or an eating disorder would be a misnomer. That's not accurate. It's based on our individual resiliency as far as dealing with the trauma. And for people that struggle to deal with the trauma for whatever reason, those people tend to be more likely to develop some sort of substance abuse issue, eating disorder, some sort of maladaptive coping behavior. And when we look at things like eating disorders and, and addictions, really what they are are their coping skills. Now, they're not healthy coping skills. And I think we tend to think of coping skills as being good things, but there are maladaptive coping skills. There are these coping skills that are not healthy for us, but we do them anyhow because they help relieve pain. They help relieve pressure for us. And when we have women that get into an eating disorder behavior or substance abuse or any other sort of addiction, um, it is their coping skill. And so we first need to make that okay. You know, this is not something to be shameful of. This is the method of coping that you chose and that you're continuing to use. And what we work on through treatment is eliminating or reducing that that poorly adapted coping behavior and replacing it with something that's healthier. Wonderful. So what are some healthy replacements? Uh, there are so many, um, but the reality is any coping skill can turn into an unhealthy one. It's based on how we use it. So I could easily say exercise is a great coping skill. However, we know that some people will take exercise to the extreme and then they develop uh, eating disorder related to mm -hmm. the intense exercise routine that they've committed themselves to. So mm -hmm. anything in moderation can be healthier than anything that's out of moderation. Um, but in regards to substance abuse, in regards to eating disorders, um, healthy adaptive coping skills, really we talk about getting into our bodies and getting out of our brains because when we're in our brains, we tend to be trapped 
in looping thoughts, we're trapped in negativity, we're trapped in our shame story. And when we get into our bodies, what we end up doing is staying in the present moment. We're able to stay grounded a lot more in our day-to-day -day activities. We're able to build our resiliency skills, um, for instance, through active and regular exercising, whether it's yoga, whether it's meditation, whether it's uh, creative writing or journaling. Um, there are so many coping skills that you know people can use based on their what works for them that would be a great replacement for any addictive behavior that could be a bad coping skill that they're that they're involved in. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. So most of our listeners are are, are mothers. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to just dive a little bit deeper into this and talk about how shame and addiction might show up in motherhood. Sure. Well, one thing that I think women aren't aware of is that there's a uh, how do we say, like a, a concentric circle that happens. If you picture dropping a stone in water, you have this rippling effect that radiates out from the stone. And especially for women and especially for mothers, that rippling effect then can translate into affecting our children. And so when somebody has a shame story, oftentimes what we see is they're punishing themselves in ways that they probably are not even consciously aware that they're punishing themselves for. Um, and through punishing themselves, they're actually also punishing their children. They're actually potentially punishing their spouse or other family or friends that uh, they're not even aware of the impact of their shame story on their children. For instance, a child who sees mom be depressed or how mom is interacting in a relationship is going to be more likely to replicate that when that child grows up. And that child is also possibly going to internalize some beliefs because of how mom's uh, behavior or attitude might be around that child. If mom is always closed off and, and not affectionate or depressed or, or very angry and lashing out, well, that child is going to translate that into beliefs about themselves and say, well, I'm, I'm not lovable. Mom doesn't love me. Therefore, I'm not lovable. And now mom's shame story has been taken on by the child and that child is going to grow up with their own shame story that is going to be around them not being lovable. And it all is going to stem back to mom's initial reaction to the kid dur during the child's childhood. Yeah. Yeah. So at what point or how do you suggest that if, if moms are following that, like for example, you know, you've had a kind of a traumatic um, childhood yourself and then you become a mother and you're kind of like it's this generational <laughs> path how do you turn it around like what is this first step to turning it around or at what point can because some people I think don't realize that they even had the trauma in their life they think oh that was normal sure so, like how do how do when you're in it how do you suggest you um figure out that it's an issue and then how do you take steps towards turning it around? Yeah. Well, the first thing I would say is we have to increase someone's awareness that it's an issue. And when you're in it, it's kind of asking somebody to see the forest while they're standing in the middle of it. You're not going to be able to pull back far enough to see that they're creating this, uh, this storm around them or that it's affecting the family members. So, you know, my first suggestion would be to seek assistance from somebody else who has a, 
the ability of stepping back and seeing a larger picture, a larger view of the situation, because oftentimes a lot of the things that we're experiencing are happening, happening so subconsciously that for you or for me to make changes while we're stuck in the situation without the input of somebody else would be really challenging. So having some sort of support system, whether it's hiring a coach, whether it's going through, if it's substance abuse, finding a, a sponsor through the AA system or the NA system would really be vital at making that first step to changing these behavioral patterns. Yeah. Thank you. And I think that just, it really opens up that, it's really important that if you have, you know, these issues, whether it's an eating disorder or addiction or any, any unhealthy habit, um, or just, a, you know, you, if you have an awareness that you do have a shame story to like, get, get help, you know, because the sooner you do, the sooner you can truly, you know, live your life to the fullest. Absolutely. Definitely. And the reality is that as an adult, our healing has nothing to do with the people that we believe injured us. Our healing is completely intrinsic and it comes from a shift in our own awareness and belief system about who we are and who, uh, what the relationships were that we were in at the time. And we do not need other people to validate us as an adult because us as an adult have to, we have to validate ourselves. And that's the healing power that comes through with this work. It's not about going to mom and dad and saying you were a crappy parent. Why were you so mean to me? It's about owning who you are today as a woman and nurturing ourselves in a way that our parents simply weren't able to. You know, I like to reference, there's a, um, another psychological body of work out there called inner child theory. And inner child theory is all about us having this little girl inside of us who, generally speaking, stops developing at the age of a traumatic incident. So let's say mom and dad got divorced when we were 10 years old. Well, our inner little girl probably stopped developing at age 10 because that's when the nurturing stopped developing. And so now as a full-grown woman, we have to acknowledge our inner child, figure out what age she is, because oftentimes our emotional development has stopped at the same age that our inner child has stopped growing. And now we have an opportunity to parent ourselves. You know, and your job as an adult woman is to be in touch with that internal piece of us that didn't get what she needed as a child, but now you have to mother yourself. You know, we have to take the place of what our parents weren't able to provide for us. And our job is to no longer cast blame on other people in our past and in our history, but rather to take on the responsibility of nurturing ourselves so that that inner little girl that we have can grow up to being a, a successful adult and match our biological age that we currently are. And that's part of the process of, uh, you know, dismantling our shame story and going through these steps to release some of that trauma work. Wow. That is deep. <laughs> so let's say you went through a trauma and what I hear you say is, let's say it was a divorce at 10 or you went through something, let's say at eight, that's when you stop what did you say, developing or? Yeah, you stop emotionally developing at the age of a traumatic situation. Mm. You know, so um, for people that are, uh, have a history of addiction, 
what we often see is the age they started using drugs is the age they stop emotionally developing because drugs actually and alcohol stunt our growth emotionally. And the reason for that is because we start isolating and we cut ourselves off from other people. And when you think of how we emotionally develop, a lot of our emotional development comes through connection. You know, mm -hmm. it's by connecting to our peers, it's by connecting to our families. And when we start getting into a cycle of addiction of one sort or another, we have now created a barrier to connection with other people. So our emotional development is stunted. So if you started using drugs or alcohol, for instance, at the age of 21 and fell into an addiction, and here you are a 50 year old woman, then there are pieces of your emotional development that have not fully blossomed or matched your current age, your chronological age. And part of your recovery process then is learning how to mature that emotional development, how to build those skills that had you not gotten involved with drugs or alcohol in the first place would have developed just quite naturally because of you would have gone through the aging process that every other person goes through, through failures and successes and you know jobs and all of these other life building skills that we get. These are all mm -hmm. growth opportunities for us. And when we stunt our growth via some addictive cycle, then we're stunting our emotional growth in that process. And we have to go back and catch that inner person up. We have to catch that person up to our chronological age. Mm. And if you can really quickly, how do you, how would one go about doing that and to develop your emotional, you know, self, you know, when you do figure out, okay, it was that time. And do, do you go inward? Do you meditate? What are some tools to help you? Yeah, well, again, this is one of those processes that I would say you really need to have a professional guiding you on that path. Because if you think about it, you know, a 10-year-old is not going to be able to navigate the world in the way a 30-year-old would. So if you're emotionally a 10-year-old or emotionally a 20-year-old, you need somebody who has these skills to help you navigate the developmental pieces and phases that you haven't really been able to figure out on your own. So that's not to say that it's impossible. I think that there's a lot of alternative uh, methods of healing out there and generally uh, a combination of them is the best possible scenario. Um, but having somebody to help you navigate that, especially in the substance abuse world, a lot of people uh, get into the AA system, the NA system, and find a sponsor, which is highly encouraged through those uh, those uh, social systems. And having a sponsor to guide you through, for instance, the 12 steps, which are all about taking you through this process of emotionally developing um, through sobriety helps, that, that becomes your guide, that becomes your method of maturing, essentially. And what we tend to find through that is sometimes people get into the AA system or the NA system for substance abuse and they think, okay, so I just have to make it through the 12 steps. They get to step 12 and then they're done. Sayonara, they sign off and they walk out. But the reality is, is that these 12 steps are cyclical. So once you complete 12, you head back mm -hmm. to one. And it's a lifelong process of, because every time, I'd like to think of humans as onions and we're constantly peeling layers off. You know, So mm -hmm. it takes a lot of peeling to get to the core and oftentimes that means redoing the work over and over and over again, because every time you go back in and you peel off another layer, there's another piece of insight that gets discovered. And you get to add that insight now to the puzzle that you've already started creating mm -hmm. in front of you. And as you add more puzzle pieces and puzzle pieces and you start unearthing more and more awarenesses, this is where the healing really 
becomes so effective and helps you solidify new patterns of behavior so that you're not repeating the same old patterns that are not healthy for you and the, you know, having the same coping skills anymore. So it's really just a constant life process of uncovering new awarenesses and then integrating these new awarenesses into our daily lifestyle. Right. And then you're also developing, redeveloping healthier patterns by redoing it over and over again. You know, that's really good. Um, And one last quick question. Do you think, let's say um, a mom or anyone listening that uses alcohol, but doesn't necessarily have an addiction? Mm -hmm. um, Do you think it's beneficial to go through one of those 12 step programs? So the first thing that I would ask somebody who says that they use alcohol or even marijuana or any substance recreationally is, you know, what's the criteria that you're using to determine that you don't have an issue with it. So the first thing that we really have to look at is if you're acknowledging that alcohol or any other substance is in your life and it's something that you're recognizing that you don't want to have in your life anymore, we first need to understand if there are any negative repercussions to you using it in the first place. Because one of the first criteria of an addictive process is that you're experiencing negative consequences. Mm -hmm. So there's no reason for somebody to, for instance, be a social drinker and then suddenly say, hey, I'm not going to drink anymore, unless they're noticing some negative consequences that are already starting to build up in their lives. And these can be subtle, everything from, you know, very subtle things to very dramatic things, loss of job, loss of, you know, uh, losing a child at a mall because they were drunk or, you know, I mean, it can really be on a wide spectrum of things. Um, So I do still recommend that for anybody who is recognizing a pattern in their life uh, around some sort of substance or addictive behavior that they do seek um, at least an, an opportunity to assess the level of impact that that substance or that addictive behavior has had in their life so that they have a clear understanding. Because what I see often that happens uh, in my work around addiction is you're, you'll never meet an addict who didn't initially think that it wasn't a problem. It doesn't exist. So you can interview every heroin addict, every person who's been in recovery for 30 years, every woman out there who's ever picked up a glass of wine and said it's not a problem. Every single person who ends up with an addiction, they always say it wouldn't happen to me. I was fine. I could stop drinking. It wasn't a problem. So we know that there is a beginning point to every addiction. And to determine whether your point where you're at right now is that beginning point or not is really hard to determine for yourself. And so I would encourage somebody to at least run their current experiences by a professional who understands a little bit more what the addictive cycle is and can look at it from a wider viewpoint and help you determine what sort of problem there may or may not be. And also this might be encouraging that this is a process that you can do I wouldn't say on your own, but like, let's say you do decide to work with somebody. It's not like you have to shout it at the rooftops and say you're going through this because sometimes it's hard to talk about something that you're actually going through. Um, And maybe, you know, maybe down months down the line, you'll be able to share your experience with one or two people. But, you know, taking that first step of talking to somebody and, you know, making this a personal experience as well can be, can be helpful, right? Like, it's not like you have to go and tell all your friends and all your coworkers, 
you know, but I think just taking that first step of, uh, of recovery can be life-changing. Absolutely. Yeah. It definitely can be life-changing. Awesome. And to just have somebody else with you who can explore what you're experiencing and, and help you make decisions to better your health and better your relationships. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Such great insights. Thank you so much. Sure. Um, we always love to ask the people we interview what uh, book recommendation you have. So it could be anything, it could be fiction, it could be a book you're reading right now, or it could be around the topic we've been discussing. Yeah, so Brene Brown is a favorite author of mine. I'm sure a lot of them <laughs> listening to this podcast are very familiar with her work. Um, but she, if you're not familiar, she is a so, uh, sociologist who specializes in shame resiliency and uh, has done just some incredible research regarding shame and has come up with um, the, the most amazing uh, cure, although I, I hesitate to use that word cure, for shame, which is finding connection, finding compassion, and finding courage, and that these three ingredients combine together, which is what my coaching program is built around, gives us shame resiliency in a way that we can break the habit of shame and step more into our power. So I, I love Brene Brown's work and her readings. I have all of her books sitting on my nightstand and I reference them uh, regularly with the women that I work with through my coaching program. Very nice. I love yes. that. We I, love Brene Brown. Yeah. I love her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Awesome, Tammy. Well, it was so great listening to your wisdom and insights, and I'm definitely sure it's going to help a lot of women dealing with these sort of issues, whether it's um, themselves that are going through it or their loved ones. So thank you so much. And to conclude, can you share with us three things that you're most recently grateful for at this moment? Oh, yes. There's so many. I am, well, I'm so grateful to be a newlywed. A newlywed. I got married a, a year ago, and my husband and I, for our honeymoon, took a year off and traveled around the world, so I'm so grateful to have had that experience. Um, I'm so grateful just for being in my home and having a roof over my head and feeling safe in my life and in my body, uh, having food on the table, and I'm just so grateful for this opportunity to speak to other empowered women who are helping to empower even more women and uh, have that positive rippling effect because I think it's something that we all need. So uh, I'm very grateful for being here on the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much, Tammy. Absolutely. Thanks for, for inviting me here with you. And we're grateful for you and our listeners tuning in today. Thank you so much. And we will see you next week. Sounds Bye. Great. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Love Yourself to Happiness show. If you like what you heard and you're interested to see if you're a fit to work with us, here is what to do next. Head over to mayaandmikayla.com forward slash apply. That's mayaandmikayla.com forward slash apply and book an appointment to speak with our team. We will get you on a call for about 45 minutes and we will work with you to craft a step-by-step -step game plan to up-level your lifestyle, mindset, career, and relationships and help you fill your cup so that you can be the best version of yourself. And we will get you clarity on three things. Number one, we will help you see what mindset shifts need to be made in your life. Number two, you will learn how to create a schedule so that your schedule can support your goals. And three, 
how to take action, take your life to the next level and thrive. We look forward to talking to you soon.